Now, time of greeting today is Palm Sunday, and we're kind of combining uh, some special times of worship that um, we don't uh, always do. But it's uh, Palm Sunday, the day that Christ came in, made his royal entry into the city, and then uh, Monday, Thursday, the night that Jesus shared uh, this uh, Lord's Supper with his disciples, and then, of course, Good Friday. When it was dark and dreary for, for Christ because he died on that cross, but then comes Easter. Next one, Sunday, we celebrate the glorious resurrection of Christ. But today, I want you to think about the cross. Because we have to go to the cross and understand the cross before we understand the significance of the resurrection of Christ as we celebrate Easter next Sunday. And the cross shows us the love of God. The cross in which Jesus died shows us the depth of God's love for us like nothing else could. And I, when I'm talking about the cross of Christ today, of course, I'm talking about that wooden cross upon which he died, but even more than that, his suffering, his death, uh, his, his uh, uh, fake trial, uh, the scourging, all of that through which he went and suffered on, on our behalf, all of it is packed with significance. You see, without the cross, without all those events, without the cross in the life of Christ, then there would be no Christianity, there would be no forgiveness of sins, there would be no hope for the future. There would be no eternal life. There'd be no power in this present life. You see, that tells us that the cross is more than just a symbol of our faith, but it is the reality of our Christian faith. And the cross also makes our Christian faith unique. You see, there's no other religion in the world that's based upon the story of a God becoming man and then who was put to death on behalf of the people and then who rises from the dead. But that's the story of our faith. Only in Christianity do we have God taking on full humanity in his life. Being born as an infant and living to adulthood and then being executed as a common criminal and and then buried only to be resurrected on the third day. See, who could have imagined something like that? That's why so many in the world look at our story and they think that it's utterly ridiculous or preposterous. And that's what Paul reminds us of, the Apostle Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians and he talks about the message of the cross. And he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, we can never get away from the cross because it is the cross that defines our Christianity. It's what distinguishes our faith from any other faith system or belief system in the world. And we come to deal with the subject of the cross of Christ. We could, it, it takes a lifetime for us to understand that. Even if we can in our entire lifetime just come to grips with that. But the basic thing is to understand that it was on the cross that God's plan for salvation was fulfilled as Jesus died there as a sacrifice for us. But for a brief time today I want us to look at the story of Jesus' crucifixion on this Sunday before Easter. And see if we can get a perspective about the love of God shown in the cross of Christ. And look it up with me at our scripture in Luke chapter 22, chapter 23, verses 32 through 46. This is where we begin reading. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. 
The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him uh, which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. For the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. It's a brutal story. But yet it's a beautiful story, isn't it? Because it's the love of God it's shown for us. It's the story of God's love and the cross of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that was God's intention from the very foundation of the world. Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. Paul would write to the Romans in Romans 5, 8 and say, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, somehow we can can study this passage or read through it even at a quick setting and, and, and maybe miss All that we need to know about the suffering, about crucifixion, the most horrible death, the most horrible form of execution that any society or any government ever came up with. And that's what the Roman government did, to do away with those who would be rebels and those who would be uh, leading an insurrection against the Roman government and those who would be criminals. And they thought that it would deter crime. It It would stop any uprising against the kingdom. And so you can understand that for, for some there was a struggle because there had been others who had come who were rebels and who led the people to be in a military takeover and they too had been crucified. But when we come and we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we see it in a different light. We see it in a different perspective because here is the love of God that's displayed for us. In the midst of all the suffering and anguish that Jesus experienced, here is the love of God poured out for us on the cross. Now I want us to make three observations as we prepare our hearts to celebrate God's love for us as we share in the Lord's Supper. And the first observation I would make is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his all for us. See, Jesus died for us and he gave his all for us. I'm amazed when I read of stories of people donating organs like uh, a portion of a liver or a kidney. Because they, they, they're, they're doing it surely out of love for somebody else, sometimes even for a stranger that they don't know. And they put in their life in jeopardy and have to go through the surgery and then live without one kidney if they give one. And they know that if that kidney that they have fails, then they, they've either got to go on dialysis or they've got to go on the list to get, uh, to get a kidney transplant. And he said the only thing that, that benefits anyone who's benefited in that process is the one who receives the healthy kidney. I've never heard, though, and I don't think you ever will, of someone healthy who would donate his or her heart while they were still living to somebody else. Because what would it mean? It would mean the death of the person giving their heart. 
Well, that's what we see in Jesus Christ on the cross. He literally is giving us his heart. He's showing us his love. He's showing us his compassion. He gave his all as he died for us on the cross. I don't know how many years ago it was, but Bill Gates and his wife made the news by setting up a charitable foundation so that they could distribute some of their wealth to various causes. And over the years since then, uh, they have uh, donated over $4 billion to things like health care and education and libraries. And that's pretty impressive. Until you look at their net worth, and depending upon what the market is doing on any given day, their net worth could be between $75 billion and $100 billion. And when you compare that to what they've given, that's not even a dent in their net worth, is it? On the other hand, look at Jesus. He gave everything that he had. He gave his all. He gave his all. He gave everything. He gave his life. John in his gospel, an account of the crucifixion in 19 verse 30 says that Jesus died and said it is finished. Now there are several things that Jesus meant more than just simply the fact that his life was over in the crucifixion and that agony was over. But it meant that he he had accomplished what he came to do. He died in our place. He died for us. He paid the penalty for our sin. He did everything required to provide salvation for us and he said it is finished. God's plan for his life, God's will for his life, God's purpose in salvation, all that was now complete and finished. And it's the cross of Christ that shows us the love of God. There's a second observation we need to make. And that is that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life for his enemies. That's the depth of his love. That he would give his life for his enemies. You sit there and you think, well, well, who would his enemies be? Everybody who who was critical about him, everybody who stood there and had a part in the, in the mockery of that trial and then in his beating and his scourging and, and thrust the spear into his side. Well, it goes even deeper than that. John in Romans 5, Paul in Romans 5, 6 through 8, and we add a few verses to that, says, you see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. The ungodly, remember that phrase. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's you and me along with the Apostle Paul. In Colossians chapter 1, Paul would write and say, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. There's that word, enemies, in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. In the account of his crucifixion in Luke in verse 34 we read earlier, Jesus prayed and he said, Father forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Now we need to understand the full impact of those words. Not only was he able to offer that prayer of forgiveness while people were literally putting him to death. But we also need to understand that it has far-reaching consequences. Because you see, not only was it just, as we look at this story, the people who had a kangaroo court, uh, who beat him, who scourged him, who ridiculed him, who spit upon him, who placed that crown of thorns upon his head, who gambled for his clothes at the foot of the cross, and who drove the spikes literally through his wrist that would hold him onto the cross. It wasn't just those people he prayed for God to forgive. But it was all of his enemies. And you know who's included in that? You. And you. 
and me and everybody who's ever lived. Because the Bible tells us we've all fallen short. There is no one righteous. All our righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of God. You see, when Jesus died for his enemies, he died for you. And he died for me because we are his enemies. One of the paintings by Rembrandt is entitled The Three Crosses. And I'm told that every art critic has said that when you look at the painting, you're first of all just taken to the very center cross on which Jesus died. And then you begin to, to look at the crowd that's gathered and painted in, and you see all the expressions so strongly exhibited on the face of all those who were gathered around the cross. And then finally your eyes will drift to the edge of the canvas, and there you will see hidden in the shadows another figure. And every art critic through the centuries has said that that is Rembrandt, and he painted himself in because he knew that he was there at the crucifixion and he was an enemy of Christ and he was guilty of the death of Christ. Who killed Christ? We did. Because we were his enemies. And we must always remember that we were there. We were there because we were his enemies. And when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, he's praying for you. And he's praying for me. And then the third observation I make is this, that when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life voluntarily. You know, Jesus went through the cross on his own will, completing God's will for his life in obedience and submission. But Jesus did it voluntarily. In fact, in John 10, he said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. And this command I receive from my Father. Now when you read through the account of, of Jesus' betrayal. And then his rest and all, arrest and all that brutal treatment that he endured. And, and you might think that this was the Son of God. Why did he allow himself to be subjected to this? And maybe we can even identify with those who said, look, you said you were the Son of God, then come off the cross and save yourself. You said you would save us, now save yourself. And somehow we think that he had lost all control. He had no power over these events. And in Matthew 26, he said to the disciples, do you not think I can call on my Father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? And so when, when the religious leaders taunted him and when the other people at the cross taunted him, when the thief standing hung beside him taunted him, they were all crying out and saying, why, why won't you save yourself? Come down if you can and save yourself. And Jesus could have easily have done that. He had the power to do that. But there was a stronger power that held him to the cross. Not just the spikes in his wrist, but it was the power of love. That held him on the cross. So Jesus died for us because he loved us. And he didn't die for us because we were worth dying for. He died for us because that's what unconditional love does. He died for us and he gave us all. History tells us that for several hundred years in early Christianity when they began to build beautiful churches, 
And they would oftentimes put into the mosaic floors of the churches a pattern of the cross. And that was done until about A.D. 427 when Emperor Theodosius II forbade it by saying that people walking over the cross on the floor was, a, was degrading the value of the cross. I agree with that. I would agree with that. But at the same time, I would say that we degrade the value of the cross when we fail to understand its true significance. And the significance is that as we see the cross, we see the love of Christ. We see the love of God in the cross of Christ. We see Jesus Christ dying in our place for our sins that we might experience forgiveness. And so today, on the Sunday before Easter, before we gather in all of our finery to come and celebrate the resurrection of Christ, we remember the cross and His death. And we remember in partaking of the bread and the juice that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us as He died on that cross to give us the love of God.